0: Back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling, episode number one hundred and nine. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the line as always, David Mirakatani. Uh when we last left you last ah, when you we last left you, David, if I can speak this week, uh you were feeling <laughs> a the weather. Are you feeling better today? I think all the
1: wrestling has, has helped me feel better. Plus uh I know I'm about to get in the best uh ride share program in America this weekend on my ride from Tulsa to Perry and back. So See, yeah.
0: See now, if I wreck and kill us both, then I'm going to feel really bad about it.
1: <laughs> drive the team ten and two, and drive sixty five. We'll <laughs> get when we get there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're going to have some good wrestling debates going on, so I'll try to I'll try to keep myself in check.
1: There you go. That, that, you know, honestly, Austin, last year was the first time you and I talked for that long straight, and it was the beginning of a great friendship. And then the wrestling down there was a lot of fun with. Hardell Moore, and Chance Leonard, and Ronnie Delk, and Chad Lindsay, and, and all the coaches down there, and we got to see the Perry Monument, uh, you know, we got to go to the wrestling room, we got to go to that breakfast place, it was just a super cool weekend, and, you know, I'm a big city guy, but, you know, once, one time a year, going down into that place is, uh, it's a throwback in time, it's something I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, definitely, I mean, yeah, uh, we talked a lot on that trip, and now we talk every week. So uh, something good came out of it. And you know, I, I took a lot. I, when I was doing the stuff for the Open Mat, I took a lot of trips. I, I spent, went to a lot of events, and you know, a few really stick out. And Perry's one of those. And like you said, it's just it's very different. You know, um, we go to a lot of events with eight, ten, twelve mats, and you know, nationally ranked guys, and all this stuff. But there's something about A very old gym, three mats, high school kids getting after it. You know, there's still some excellent wrestlers at that event, but it's just it's a totally different thing, and it's how a lot of us grew up wrestling. And it just it's a lot of fun. The people are great. I'm really looking forward to going back this weekend. Yeah, the
1: vibe there is very cool, you know. Um, And it's you know like you know track wrestling. I'm friends with Chance Leonard, and that's kind of how track wrestling got involved there, but they still use the old flip chart, you know, team scores, where they only update them like every 20 minutes. And, you know, you can check it on your phone, obviously, quicker than you can on the scoreboard. But it's a super cool environment. And, you know, we got to do play-by-play together. You know, uh, Hardell, you know, now does junior duels with me because of that. So, um, I mean, I think they made me an honorary Oki down there, which was awfully nice of them. So, uh it, it's, a, it's a super fun trip. We're going to get to see Alex Guerrero this weekend. So, And like you said, I think the wrestling's underrated. I know Iron Man's this weekend, but a lot of those kids ended up being part of All-American and junior, te- uh, junior dual team members. So, And that junior dual team made the finals, I think. So there's a lot of really, really underrated kids there. And, and Oklahoma wrestling, high school wrestling, has gotten better for sure.
0: Agreed. Uh, another really cool event that happened last weekend that you were in attendance for was the AWL's first meet. Um some really interesting results. I'm gonna throw it to you and give my thoughts a little later. Uh what did you make of the first ever event?
1: Well, first of all, I think it's just great for wrestling, right? I and mean, I think that's like maybe the least controversial thing the one of us to say today, but you know, just the fact that um Andy Barb, Wade Boy, Johnny Ruggiano, Titan Mercury is putting up that kind of money. You know, invested in a custom mat, invested in the arena, uh, had Jaden Cox doing play-by-play, you know, had Annie Hamilton there, had myself there. I got to interview all the winners. I also interviewed Deron Wynn. And just the vibe was cool. We're actually talking to uh, uh, Titan Mercury now about possibly partnering up with them on my next event, you know, making it an AWL event as well. So, you know, that tells you how impressed I was by it. I think it's really anytime you try to do different things, and you know some of the events I've tried to do, it never goes perfect the first time, and you learn and you, you tighten things off, and it just gets bigger and better. Anybody who's not a hundred percent behind this, the concept of it, isn't supportive of wrestling. If you want to say, well, you know, you should have had it at a different venue or a different date, okay, that's you know, those are all you know, discussable things, but the fact that these guys are literally giving these guys money, and I got to interview every single one of them, and all of them had genuine enthusiasm. Obviously, it was an Iowa crap, and there were some Iowa ties, but like Tommy Gantt, you know, they were rooting for Gantt because uh, Richie Lewis got tired, and, you know, Tommy Gantt was a guy that had come in there with NP State and beat Iowa in Garver Hawkeye in the national duels, and I've known Tommy for a long time. He's from here in Cahokia right across the river. Yeah, you know, we talked afterwards how cool it was to you know have those people rooting for you and not against you. And I think you know sometimes Iowa fans get a, a bad rap. Like yeah, they're certainly biased, but they really just appreciate action, man. And they just you know they want they want guys to go hard and compete, and they support guys to do that, and they don't support guys that don't do that. So, I mean, what were your impressions of it uh, from you know 500 miles away?
0: Uh, You know, I mean, I thought it is, it's always nice to see our elite athletes getting money. Um, That's, I mean, that's, even if the wrestling was terrible, which it wasn't, there was a lot of interesting matchups. There was some great action. Um, I thought uh, the guys that were there did a nice job of putting on a show for the most part. Uh, But just the bottom line is we need more money in the sport. We need to support more guys going full time. Uh, but, you know, I, I said something there both times, uh, I said, guys, and that kind of came up, Sarah Hildebrandt brought it up on Twitter and, you know, it's, it's true. This was a good start. And I think you're right. You know, this is something we should support. There's some expansion opportunities and I thought they were going to do it. Um, they talked about having some other matches, uh, you know, before the event is kind of an undercard, maybe get some high school kids in there, maybe have some women's matches. I would have liked to see that. Um, The economic realities of the sport, I understand, uh, but there's got to be a way to be inclusive. I thought they did a great job of including some Greco guys during the draft. Uh, We didn't get to see that on the card. Uh, You know, it's funny because I know Titan Mercury Wrestling Club supports a lot of athletes, and they support Greco, and they support women's freestyle, so – I, I'm not at them of, you know, they're ignoring these people on purpose. It's a thing. This was the first event. Like you said, it never goes perfect. They'll learn from it and develop. And, you know, women's freestyle and Greco both have a ways to go in order to draw. But I would have liked to see them at least give a nod to it. Um, give us an exhibition match. Give us something like that. However, the card itself was very nice. It was entertaining. Uh, The Oliver Rutherford match was, I mean, that alone was worth the price of admission. It's fantastic.
1: It was awesome. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, Oliver with the five-point move, almost texts him. Rutherford comes storming back. Oliver ends up winning 13-11, and now none of us can wait until they do that again. So, uh, great card. Uh, Hopefully, they learned a little bit something, and hopefully, they take the feedback from some members of the community, and uh, hopefully, we see another one that's a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I, I have two strong biases that will both come out today. One is as a guy that's run events, I have very little tolerance for people to criticize without offering a solution. I think Sarah Elderbrandt's one is really well taken. You know, I mean, they did have Forrest minority doing the interviews, so at least women's wrestling was represented. But certainly having a women's match, and they also had a catch wrestling three seminar with Kern Jacobs uh, ahead of you know, if you were there ahead of time. But I I struggle with people like, well, they just should have done this. Well, okay, you know, pick up a phone, you know, pull the rope, be involved to help. The second thing that will come out a lot in the rankings is I highly, highly, highly value tournament performance over dual meet performance because the only way to be an All-American is to stay alive for two days at the national tournament. Anybody can wrestle good for one match. But to stream four, five, six matches together, that's what it's about. So, you know, some of the rankings that we did might be different from other people, but we really value uh, tournament performance. And I think we've kind of landed on CKLV as probably the best tournament in the country right now when we get to that, when we get to those topers.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting you bring that up uh, because we had – CKLV is a great event. And it could We could talk about it for the entire show. Uh, But we also had some really interesting dual meets. And, you know, as much as I will admit that, you know, the team outcomes don't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, they were a lot of fun and they came right down to the last matches. And we saw some stuff, some outcomes that we haven't seen in years and years. So really cool stuff. Um, You know, Iowa, Iowa state comes down to the final match, even to the point where Austin Gomez has Austin DeSanto on his back. If he gets the fall, Iowa state wins. DeSanto eventually was able to fight off, and Iowa prevailed by a point. Uh, you know, ODU, Old Dominion and NC State, same thing, went down to the final match. Uh, NC State won by a point. We'll get to the big upsets in that one. And then Princeton beat Lehigh for the first time in forever. Um, I think we've all acknowledged that Princeton is moving in the right direction, and this is another step in that process. Obviously, Lehigh without some guys, and that, that's the case across the country, is it? point in time you know you never know what the lineups are going to look like but that's a huge win you know none of your boosters are going to ask well how many starters did lehigh have that's a win baby and that's a that's a way to pump up your program
1: and then all of that and you know i went to iowa state coming out of high school so i was you know i have a soft spot for them and it hasn't been a rivalry for a long time there and you know, certainly at least one quirky thing happened. You know, Coleman was losing when he ended up winning, you know, getting pin points because of the injury default. But in a lot of the 50 50 matches, Iowa State A was in them late and they won several of them. And, you know, honestly, their best wrestler lost. If he wins, they win the dual meet, you know, which is kind of crazy. If you told Kevin Dresser and that staff, the duel's going to come down to Willie Nicholas. I don't even think he'd ask Kyle. I'm like, he'd be like, I'm good. We'll take that, right? So, you know, nothing, you know, obviously, you know, the duel's on 10 guys, but I mean, Iowa State is definitely on the come up. And Iowa's just struggling right now. I think Spencer Lee is sick. Uh, but they feel like they have a ton of guys that could lose in the blood round and it wouldn't shock you. I mean, if DeSanto lost blood round, if Murin lost blood round in the round before, if Blueville lost blood round, Caleb Young is ranked fifth somehow, and I did the rankings, and I'm not sure how, but he could certainly be a blood round guy. You know, they're not as good at 74 as they were two weeks ago. Uh, Wilkie's lost in the blood round twice. You know, it looks like right now they're one-on-one place, but, I mean, they could have five guys losing the blood round, and if that's the case, 100 points is going to be super hard.
0: Yeah, they have really taken some hits. Um, obviously Kemmerer being the biggest one with the injury but yeah it's hard to judge too much I mean it's early December still and obviously they're dealing with some stuff they're you know held a bunch of guys out of the duel before Iowa State just they're still trying to figure it out Um, so I was less worried about Iowa obviously they've got some questions to answer but they've got Three months to answer them, uh, but Iowa State—it was really impressive. They fought hard, they competed hard. Like you said, they won a lot of matches at the end, uh, which is always something you look for as a coach. You know, are my guys still fighting at the end? Are they scoring at the end? Can they win when it matters? Um, so huge, huge building block for them. Even though they ended up losing, uh, it's good to see that rivalry back, and we'll see if it stays that way. Um, I know a lot of the Iowa fans—they're like, "Oh, it's it's fluke, whatever," but. The way Iowa State fought, if they can keep that fight with the recruits they have coming in, they'll be fine, and this rivalry will be a lot more fun
1: again. Well, it also impacts recruiting directly, right? Like if – like right now it's like all the good kids want to go to Iowa, and for a long time that felt like the second-best kids were going not UNI and and not Iowa State. If now kids are genuinely looking at this as like a two- or three-horse race, that means either Iowa's going to get less recruits from Iowa or have to spend more money on them, which then in turn means they've got less money to spend on other guys. So, as a guy that spent a lot of time recruiting and feels like he understands it fairly well, this could be sort of a play your flag kind of moment for Iowa State, you know, when they have that film and they can take it to uh, recruits and go, look, we can compete with these guys. Yeah,
0: it's it's always a building block for any rebuild that, like you say that, uh, you know, once you get that ball rolling, it just picks up steam. So it's another step in the process for Cup Dresser and his staff, and it's, it's not a surprise. He's done this before, and uh, I think most of us expected him to have some success, and uh, we'll see how far he can go. Um, let's get into the rankings. How about
1: it? You got it. So the rankings are brought to you by Resolite. I actually got a chance to visit with Matt Gilbert, Paul Gilbert's son, out there this weekend. Um, You know, Paul's the president. So they have their one source for both classic and lightweight mats. Their Zip Mat is the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system.
0: And ResLite
1: also offers their exclusive DigiPrint Mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that bring unrivaled school branding, period, lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs, Resolite, the mat company, and uh, just want to give those guys a shout-out. Also want to point out that if I ever hand this read over to you, you know that I'm picked off of you, just so you know in advance.
0: I appreciate you taking care of it. It's a bit of a problem, <laughs> but you know, Resolite's a great company, so I'm glad they're sponsoring the rankings, and they do a great job,
1: so. Sure,
0: yeah. The mat
1: is really cool, by the way.
0: Very cool. Uh, yeah, they've been doing a great job with some of the special events, so. Not I'm not surprised to hear it um this week, obviously we had the Cliff Keen Las Vegas, and so what I did, I kind of went through, noted the finals matches, uh noted a surprise at each weight, um at least to me, and then of course, I went around the country and looked at other results and to see if there was anything of significance uh so it started one hundred and twenty five pounds the uh, Cliff Team Las Vegas final was Sebastian Rivera defeating Ryan Bresser in sudden victory 6-4. to four. It was a very good match, uh, a lot of wild scrambles. Bresser actually initiated the last scramble, got in pretty deep on a shot, and Rivera countered for the win. Uh, ended up in kind of a Peterson position. It pretty, It was an entertaining match. Uh, and those two guys are some of the best guys in the country, so uh, that was a good start to the night. Uh, the surprise for me was Brent Fleetwood, uh, who has transferred to North Dakota State. He beat Louis Hayes from Virginia. He beat Colby Smith, Zeke Boise, uh, Travis Piotrowski, who was making his season debut, and his losses were Sebastian Rivera and Sean Russell. Uh, So he finishes fourth. uh, Came in unseeded, so and they seed into the double digits at every weight. So uh, obviously, kind of unexpected. He's a veteran, been around a while. uh, So you kind of you expect him to compete. Uh, I was surprised he did that well. Uh, What were your takeaways, David?
1: He was the big mover up. Willie Hayes was the big mover down. You know, he was at five and dropped all the way to eighteen. And, you know, again, maybe people that think that's an overreaction, but if you DNP, I'm probably gonna rank the eight guys that placed that you know, placed ahead of you, ahead of you in, in the rankings. Uh Rivera gave up the first takedown in both in the quarter semi and finals and figured out a way to win. So um that's interesting. But he's probably going to have to solve that problem he, if he wants to be the Spencer Lee, because, you know, Lee gets a first takedown, and it's like a 10- or 12-point takedown with his top game. So uh, Sean Fawz moved up a couple spots with us as well, and so did Raymond Foley and Patrick Glory. And Fleetwood was another guy that, you know, doing all the freestyle coaching I did this summer, he was everywhere. And that's kind of the theme I'm seeing is that a lot of these guys that put competition time in in the summer, we're starting to see them, do better than a lot of people thought, like the Don Demases, the Raymond Foley's, the Brent Fleetwood's of the world, Austin Gomez. These guys are making jumps quickly into the college season, and I don't think that's a coincidence.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for a long time we've known that people that train more have success, but I think you're noticing noticing that you know just the training maybe there's another aspect to it and guys that <sighs> everywhere start to win in the fall and winter and yeah it's not a surprise but uh it's a, it's a lesson that needs to be learned in a few places i think so it's cool that you keep noting that um maybe someday i'll look it up and figure out the correlation between how many tournaments they wrestle in freestyle and how they do in this in the Collegiate season.
1: I used to do that. For, the only guy I know smart enough to figure that out. So um, <laughs> I know you got nothing else going on, but if you ever did, that would be interesting. I I think there's a super value in competing. You know, not just practicing. It's right. expensive. It's not the same style. It's inconvenient. It's hard on your grades. It's not fun to be making weight all the time. But I think that's part of what gives these guys this mental edge. Like, hey, I did this this summer, and this other guy didn't.
0: I would agree with that. Uh moving up to 133, the finals in Vegas was Nick Soriano over Mickey Philippi, 11 to 3. Uh Soriano looked great all tournament long. Uh, but Philippi was really the surprise package for me. I mean, we knew he was good. We knew I, I was expecting him to be a solid wrestler all year long. I mean, this is a deep weight class, so it's hard to say he was going to be an all-American candidate, but he proved this weekend he was. He beat Ethan Lezak four to nothing, and he beat Luke Pletcher two to one. You know, Philippi's one of those guys, he can scramble, he can do it on top, so he's a pain to wrestle. Um, You're going to have to beat him. He's not going to beat himself, and he can win in multiple positions, which is always a dangerous combination. Um, Obviously, we we touched on Gomez over DeSanto. Um, Gomez didn't get the pin, but he did get the win, so that's a nice upset. Uh, What else were you tracking, David? Those
1: those are the two main stories, right? I mean, Philippi jumped from 17 to 6. Gomez jumped from 20 to 10. And you you did rankings and probably still, you know, do them at least mentally and decide what you think I'm doing wrong. And, uh, you know, like if number 11 loses to number 20, there's always three options, right? Move 11 down below 20, move 20 up above 11, or have them meet somewhere in the middle. And Gomez was a guy, we were just waiting for him to have the win we thought he could to move up. The other thing, is, people don't know, that match was 8-8, eight to eight, and Gomez hit a lateral drop of like 45 seconds left. So just the courage or the cojones you want to put on that kid to to pull the trigger in that scenario. And probably, I mean, it wasn't a bad call. DeSanto wasn't pinned, but he was about two inches away from winning that duel for Iowa State, which would have been insane, 9,700 people that quiet, because that's what would have happened. So uh,
0: I, I was following him along on Twitter and uh, some of the Iowa state fans were talking about, you know, Gomez is going win this match. Worry about his own individual result first. Then if he's ahead, try to win it for Iowa state. But in the end, he got a chance to do both and he took it. I mean, he went for it. So very, very yeah.
1: cool. Yeah. Well, I heard you on that huge
0: part. Moving up to 141 pounds. We had a, a CKLV final that, I mean, could be a national final this year, if especially if Yanni doesn't come back full strength. Uh, Joey McKenna defeated Jaden Ironman six to two. One of the funniest moments I thought of the weekend was Ironman tried to fly and squirrel at the end, and McKenna caught him, caught him, caught the leg, and just stood up and kind of just walked back to the center of the mat. It was like, you're not going to get that on me, and I'm going to waste some more time. It was pretty funny. Um, and it, yeah. and that was kind of how the whole match went. You know, McKenna's rock solid. It's really hard to get out of position, and he just didn't fall for any Ironman stuff. Uh, it, it, Jaden just had a hard time scoring on him. So, uh, you know, we'll see that again, I imagine. Uh, the surprise for me was... 10-seed Kanan Store, who I know we we know has all the talent in the world. We just haven't seen him really put it together at the NCAA level, but he beat Chad Redd, Josh Alber, and Dom Demas to finish third. Demas obviously had a very nice tournament as well to finish fourth. That was the surprise to me, but I don't think too many people are overly surprised. Uh, what else did you see, David? Well,
1: I mean, first of all, McKenna and Ironman, that's the same match from Final X, U.S. Open, like, McKenna is just so fundamental and he's really strong and he finds ways to not scramble with Jaden, you know, Jaden's like that, you know, guy, like, you know, he's like that dog, let's go chase cars, you know, he gets you out there and then, you know, you're in his world and you lose. And McKenna's that guy that just hangs out, hangs out, hits perfect technique, holds really good position, and just wins really boring, but wins dominantly. Uh, McKenna's tour, I mean, it's hard to say we weren't surprised. He was the 10 seed and took third. So, you know, I mean, and he's not a guy that had a lot of matches yet. Michigan is an interesting team. I mean, if they pulled that heavyweight out of redshirt and moved uh, Pantaleo down to 49 and one into 57 with some of what these other teams are doing, they could be maybe a top-four team. I mean, it could really happen. Chad Red continues to kind of go in the wrong direction. Ian Parker beating Max Mirren is interesting because Ian Parker had lost to Vince Turk at the Lindenwood Open. That was one of the reasons why we had Parker unranked because, I mean, not that Vince Turk isn't really good and didn't win matches at Nationals last year, but yeah, it's hard to rank a guy, you know, behind the backup. And then uh, Jamal Morris beat Samarian Perry, so, you know, that moved that the rankings around a little bit, too. Perry went from 9 to 14 and Morris went from 21 to 13. Yeah, and the the red result was kind of interesting. He was one of
0: the few, you know, we've been talking about Nebraska having a rough start to the year, and I really thought they bounced back in a big way at Vegas. You know, we'll cover a few of their guys that did very well, uh, but red was one of the ones that just didn't yet, so we'll have to see how he goes. I mean, he kind of did this in the middle of last year. He started out really well, kind of – not as good results in the middle, but then obviously came on at the end and was an All-American, so we'll have to keep tracking him. Moving up to 149 pounds, Anthony Ashnault uh, ran into the finals and looked like he was going to run over Micah Jordan before Jordan really rallied hard late, uh, a lot of takedowns. Ashnault prevailed 14-10 to 10 on the strength of a couple of turns, uh, but that was a really interesting match, and I can't wait to see it again. The surprise for me was Austin O'Connor, who beat Josh Heil for the third place. Well, he beat Josh Heil, Jared Prince, Mitch Feinsilver, and Zacharyl <laughs> for third. Uh, that's quite a run. And Zacharyl uh, had beaten Grant Leith early in the tournament, and he also beat Josh Heil. So he had a good tournament as well. Uh, what did you make of that final, and what else are you tracking, David? The final, you
1: know, you kind of look at it from a coaching point of view, right? You know, like if you're national, you go, hey, your you're coach, you go, hey, man, You know, you just get a takedown again and turn this dude, and then if you have to, even pick top and just deck him. If you're coaching Michael Jordan, you go, look, you just can't give up that first takedown because he gassed, and he scored three, four takedowns in the third period. It was freestyle. It would have been worse with push-outs and things like step-outs, however you want to call it. So you and me both picked as a national champion, and I don't think this weekend really changed anything for us to –
0: you know, changed our minds on that.
1: O'Connor really wrestled impressively. Leap lost in the quarterfinals and then defaulted out. So we only got him behind Zachary. We lost him head-to-head. Deegan beat Lugo, which you have here. Cole Martin beat Maruka. Artalona beat Baby J. Those are all the things that kind of shook up the rankings a little bit. Ohio was a big mover from 22 to 10. Max Thompson dropped from 5 to 11 out 21 to 16, Bannister, 11 to 17, O'Connor went from 12 to 4. Those are, you know, your, your significant movers in that weight class.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you talk about Jordan can't give up that first takedown, and I think everybody knows that now. Like, that's the scouting report on him. If he gets underneath against a guy with weapons on top, he's in trouble. And uh, it showed again because he won that match in neutral, but he lost, too badly on the mat. And so
1: it is. We talked about this seven weeks ago, right? Him and Cade Brock. You can't pick those guys to win nationals because there's somebody good at that weight that rides hard. And, you know, it's easier to just stall on your feet and make it a mat match than it is to, if you struggle on bottom, you really struggle on bottom against good guys on top.
0: Right. And now, I mean, if, if they meet again, is losing or it's close, he still has that I can take top mentality and <laughs> turn him over. Yeah. So that's that's going to be interesting to follow. Moving
1: yeah. up, Mike just kind of try to get him tired, you know, and get him slippery and that kind of stuff. And so maybe in the third period, you know, those things matter. But you're absolutely right.
0: Moving up to 157 pounds, Ryan Deacon beat Griffin Perriott, 8-2 in the finals. Perriott had a nice run. Uh, he beat Tyler Berger and Telly Britmani. So he was not expected to be in the finals. So he was a bit of a surprise. Uh, Tyler Berger and Keyshawn Hayes both rallied back after being upset to meet for third. Berger won that match six to three. Uh, overall, you know, there's another big upset at this weight outside of Vegas. And, you know, I still haven't been able to locate, you know, if anybody knows where it is, hit me up on Twitter at Alex Steen, U N A T. Uh, Larry Early defeated Hayden Heidley four to two in the NC State Old Dominion duel. And that, that's Heidley's first loss. Uh, to someone other than Jason Nolf, um, on his official college record. So uh, that was that was a big one. Uh, what else did you see, David?
1: Well, um, I called Steve Martin yesterday to, you know, find out what a couple of other guys were ranked. You know, like Selvin Wright moved up to 74, so trying to make sure I ranked guys at the right weight. And, uh, you know, a couple other sources have ranked early higher than we did. But he lost to Mike D'Angelo. And even though D'Angelo is kind of doing a glacier shirt, that's still a match that counts. And, you know, he has lost, I think, to Luke Wyland, And then Luke Wyland, you know, is a guy that started pretty high and then lost to Deleo. I mean, those are interesting things. Hayden Heidley, I only dropped one spot. I feel like a year and a half body of work, making the junior world team everything else. Like, I, I just don't think you can bump early up above him based on overall body of work. I understand if early was in the ACC, he'd be the number one seed right now, but... I just don't think that that merits it. We did move early up six spots to 11. We moved Geekin up to two for winning the tournament. The hardest one I struggled with was moving Caleb Young to five. But Griffin Perriott beat a place ahead of a bunch of guys in this tournament. And the week before, Caleb Young stepped over Griffin Perriott and pinned him. And neither one of those guys have a body of work where you go, okay, well, one of these guys gets a mulligan like like a highly So, I mean, right now we've got Knopf 1, Deacon 2, Heideley 3, Pantaleo 4, Caleb 5, Carriott 6, Tyler Berger 7, Keyshawn Hayes 8, Romani 9, uh, Kennedy Monday 10, Larry only 11. So, I mean, I certainly think there'll be a lot more topsy-turvy stuff there, but this was probably, you've done rankings, sometimes you really feel good about rankings and sometimes you just have to put numbers next to guys' names so you can go to sleep. And this was more of the second one where you're like, okay, we've got to rank somebody here somewhere. Let's let's pick the most defendable position and move on.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, Perriot, If you look, especially if you look at last year, and of course to some extent this year with his loss to Young, but he's he's a guy that you know he'll upset people, but he's he'll take some bad losses. So uh, yeah, I I understand it. I mean, I don't think you can put early ahead of Hydley based on the last year and a half. Uh, but he just beat him, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's always tough this time of year because Vegas is really the first really big tournament where we get a lot of guys clashing. so everybody else in the country that hasn't done that yet has very different resumes. I mean Caleb Young's a great a great example. He hasn't faced a lot of ranked guys, a couple I think, but it's not it's hard to compare those resumes you know are four and two against ranked guys or one and zero? It's, how do you compare that? Uh, just well, and
1: we're going to talk about that the next way where Isaiah White was one and three coming into the tournament, right?
0: <laughs> yes, he was, and that that was a
1: point's really well taken. It's difficult, man. People don't understand that. This this next way we'll talk about that, but it's just people ask me like, you know, what's your criteria? And it's, I, I think you would agree with this. You want to have as many you know consistencies as possible, but it's like a recipe, like. Andy Hamilton and I were talking about this because probably what we did with Heidley and what we did with Gable Stevenson were probably the two most, I would guess, controversial things. And you know, he was trying to make analogies. Like he was almost saying, well, maybe Ashton should be number one. You know, if I'm gonna make Gable Stevenson number one, should Ashton be number one? And you just can't compare those guys because Matt Kalaznik's body of work is not the same as Gable Stevenson's body of work, both good and bad. You know, so Certainly rankings are debatable, you know, and it's interesting because like the college football final four came out and, you know, thank God we're not deciding who actually gets to wrestle for a national title. You know, I mean, I would not, I take this job very seriously and I would not want that responsibility at all. I think, you know, we look as many and many data points as anyone. I am, I'm blessed to have guys like Mark Ostrander, Andy Hamilton, yourself, I can always bounce ideas and logic off of. I think that, that makes ours as good as anybody's. But it's not an easy job. And even when you put a number down and somebody goes, well, what about this? I'm like, yeah, I see your point. You know, sometimes, you know, there's more than one good way to
0: look at it. Yeah, I think that's that's always what I say about rankings is there's multiple right answers. And as long as you get one of them, it's defensible. So especially this time of year, I mean, you, your point is well taken about, you know, I'm glad we're not – deciding anything and you know, yeah, rankings are ultimately meaningless. They're just they're fun to look at and they're a tool to use. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for guys being ranked in certain spots, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's early in the season. They'll get better. We'll get more data points and they'll they'll get better. So it doesn't really matter where you're ranked right now. Uh moving up to 165, Isaiah White, as you mentioned, uh one and three coming into the tournament and what the whole thing. Uh, beat Mikai Lewis in the final two to nothing with a strong ride out in the third period. He also beat Logan Massa six two in the semis, uh, and he beat uh, Branson, or Makai Lewis beat Branson Ashworth and Bryce Dyer to get to the finals. So he had an excellent tournament as well. Both those guys kind of turned around early seasons where uh, they had some results you were that had them questioning uh, how good they might be. But you know it's funny we've talked about White all along. You know, a guy that can win every match and is going to be have a lot of close matches, and this was more of the same with him. He just found a way to win them this time. Uh, what would you make of it?
1: Well, I mean, this was a way where last week we talked about how, according to the results, it would have been Nelson Brand, then Joey Gunther, then Connor Flynn, then Makai Lewis, and we literally said we truly believe it should be in the opposite order. And then the wrestling this weekend – Completely justified what we thought, so that kind of helps straighten some things out. But you know, Isaiah White went from 14 to six. Makai Lewis went from 12 to seven. You have it on here, and let let me get to deliver it. Demetrius Romero had an unbelievable tournament, right? And we took third. Beat Joey Gunther, split with with Logan Massa, got a medical forfeit for third uh, or for the backside semis from Steyer, but still won a lot of matches. He gets into the rankings. Uh, Taylor Rogers is sort of uh, handcuffed to Braves Ashworth, so Ashworth drops, he drops and then you also put on here which was right across the river from my house Evan Wick and Josh Shields had a Bandy, you know, basically came down to a first period right out for Wick uh, but, you know, that's number two against number five and you know, those results are you know, they fell in line with what we had I think, you know, Nintendo's not really healthy right now this class feels like, <laughs> excuse me, there could just be a ton of really, you know, interesting matches. Like, I mean, like, right now, if, if the seeds were our rankings, in the second round, it's Jack Shields, Bryce Steyer, Isaiah White, Cameron Rogers, Makai Lewis, Brandon Ashworth, and Demetrius, Romero, Logan NASA part three. You know, so, and then, you know, a Connor Flynn and Marinelli, Joey Gugger, Marceller, And then the quarterfinals would just really be epic. So it feels like Isaiah White could, I think, I mean, he's the only one that wrestled Vincenzo to the Nationals. I mean, he could win the whole thing. He killed Vincenzo in the finals of Fargo. Or he could go around to 12 again, and neither one of them would really shock us, right? Right. Uh, Yeah, it's
0: it's funny. You kind of buried the lead on Demetrius Romero because he lost to Massa on the front side 18 to nothing, and then beat him. For third. So that was just.
1: That's,
0: yeah, I mean, that's, that's a day later. And just to re- reverse the result like that is insane. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, we're shaping up with 165 again to have an insane Big Ten season. Uh, there's so many good ones in the Bigs that they're going to clash a lot, just like last year. And then that tournament is going to be very important. And then everybody else is going to kind of go in through their conference season and be away from that mess, you know, Rogers and Marsteller and those guys, and it'll be interesting to see what happens again. I mean, if Marsteller runs the table, I haven't looked at his schedule, then he's going to be ranked, you know, seated very high. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but you know, there's a lot to look forward to at 165. a lot of good guys out there. Uh, And this weekend just kind of added to the list of guys that might be able to place high. I think Uh, there's, it's a long list right now
1: you make a really interesting point I I didn't think about this until you literally said it, but the Evan Wick-Jack Shields match, if it had gone the other way, it could be gigantic, right? Right. Because, you know, Jack Shields, you know, if he won all the matches he's supposed to, um, you know, wherever Wick placed, like if Wick took second in Big 10s and Shields was ahead of him, well, then that would put like a Marinelli and stack all those other guys behind him. Now, it's a, we can just, well, where does Shields fit in? So it's entirely possible Chance Marstall could end up as the number one at nationals. I mean, it really could because winning percentage is a part of it. And if all those guys in the Big Ten, like you said, beat each other up, which wouldn't shock us at all, those are the only guys left that are undefeated besides Marstall. So we do know he'll probably wrestle Bryce Steyard again, but you know, really, there's it's some interesting things that could happen there for sure in the seedings.
0: Yeah, that's always the the interesting part when you've got a guy outside of the – I mean, really, it's outside the Big Ten. And then especially with Lock Haven, they don't – you know, it's not like Oklahoma State or Arizona State that wrestle a really crazy, tough schedule anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of going to look. Yeah, they have the scuffle on here again. So he should at least see – Hopefully, Vincenzo Joseph and Chandler Rogers at the scuffle, uh, which would. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That, yeah. that
0: would. That would be.
1: He's like first, after that tournament. He deserves to be the number
0: one. Season. Of course, of course, definitely. But you know, <laughs> people get scratched from things, so you never know who he's exactly going to face. But we'll see how it goes, and that's something to watch all year at every weight, really. Um, moving up to 174, Miles Amin continues to be the decisive number three in the country as he beats Daniel Lewis ten to seven in the finals. It was a good match. Uh really interesting for both guys. Uh Amin got away from Lewis a couple of times. Lewis has that nasty ride and he still does. And he's kind of evolved from what it was his freshman year. He can ride in a couple of different positions, which makes him even more dangerous. Uh but Amin is just too strong right now. He's so good. Um and you know it's gonna be interesting to see if he can Close the gap on Hall and Valencia, but he is solidified. He is the number three in the country uh, without a question right now. And um, Out in Vegas, the top four seeds finished in order, so not a lot of surprises. Uh, but Spencer Carey of Navy beat Dylan Lighty, Kimball Bastion, and uh, his only losses were to Mikey Labriola and Taylor LeJuan. So he finished fifth. Good job by him c- coming from an unseeded position. Um, what else did you see, David?
1: Really not a lot. Uh, I mean, we pulled Kemmer. So, you know, everybody bumped up a spot, but then Spencer Carey came from off the board into 11, so a lot of those guys that were, you know, below 12 or so. Really, a lot didn't change. You know, Britt Wilson went from off the board to uh, 17th this year. So And then Solving Light was at 65 and was back to 74 and beat Daniel Bullard. So, you know, he comes back to 74 and 15th. Uh, we left on Campbell in the lineup, even though they wrestled Ethan, Ethan Smith. So I'm not really sure what's going to shake out with that, but obviously we'll keep an eye on that as well. But this was probably one of the easier weights to do the rankings on, which, you know, thank you for wrestling according to your sheets and rankings, people. We appreciate
0: that. <laughs> yeah, you needed an easy one this week with all the other changes. Moving up to 184, Miles Martin uh, continued to prove he's the favorite at 184 beat Taylor Vins 11-5 in the finals. Uh, he's just he's cruising right along, uh, looking the dominant part to this point. Um, Drew Foster beat Zach Zavatsky twice to finish third. His loss to Vins was 11-8. That was a good match. Um, you know, Foster's one of those guys we expect a lot out of. He's been an All-American before. But, you know, anytime you beat Zach Zavatsky twice, I don't care who you are, that's a good weekend. Uh, so, yeah, kind of my my of note guy. And then Sam Colbray, probably the best win of his career so far, beating Cash Wilkie in that duel. So, uh, what, what was your take on 184?
1: Colbray, big win for him, like you said, super uber talented high school kid, you know, a lot of big moves, and kind of was like one of those guys that you didn't know how he was going to adjust just to the grind. And, you know, West Coast kid that came to the Midwest feels like he's sort of getting the hang of it now. And, uh, Louis Dupre had a good tournament, moved, you know, took fifth, moved up, you know, a few more spots. Uh, Max Dean, you know, wrestled well. Chitney yes didn't wrestle well. So you know he dropped nine spots from sixth to fifteenth, which you know definitely impacted North Carolina's team ranking. And Dakota Gears moved up nicely. I'm still really interested to see what's gonna happen with Oklahoma State at 7484, it feels like you got to think Joe Smith's going to at least get a wrestle off I mean, He does know the coach pretty well. So you know, it feels like that should be, you know, at least a, a challenge. And then, you know, they just, the other thing that's weird, though, is that they don't have, uh, in 97, they haven't wrestled all year, you know, with Weigel. So, you know, he was hurt last year. John said he was going to wrestle sometime in December, but we'll see. But none of those guys are really big enough to be. I think dangerous at 97. I mean, if they had to, I guess they could go Joe 74, Jacoby 84, Gear 97, or obviously move Marsden up there, and you know he can play on somebody up there. But uh, that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out too. But again, you know, not a ton of movement here, except really, you know, Jim Nass. I, I do think Penn State's starting to look more and more like they could they could literally put the last six guys on the finals, which is absolutely frightening.
0: Yeah, we'll have some news on 285 here in a minute that might damper that a little bit, but they, I mean, Kassar looked great this weekend too, so I don't know how much of a damper that'll put on it. Um, yeah, I keep waiting for Joe Smith to surface. Uh, Oklahoma State sent some guys to Bob Smith open, mostly backups and freshmen. I was hoping we'd see him just for nothing more than to see what weight class he wrestled, um, but On that. So we'll continue to watch for Joe Smith to surface. Um, Yeah. Weigel wrestled four matches at Oklahoma city open, but we haven't seen him since. Um, And, you know, with the way they're giving out six years, if he's really hurt, uh, that would seem to be a slam dunk, but I know they expect him back. I just don't know when Uh, all things to watch. Uh, (laughs) It's been been an interesting year. I mean, we've got Oklahoma state with some lineup questions still. We've got Iowa with lineup questions, you know, it's just, Ohio State, you know, with Deshaun Campbell, I guess they have a lineup question. What are they going to do at 25? So, it single Terry lost the wrestle
1: off.
0: Right. Lost the wrestle off, but then he's been great since. I mean, he had a <laughs> solid tournament. So, we're going to get to that in a minute, but yeah, it's it, it's interesting. We've got some unsettled situations among the among the nation's best teams. So, that's always interesting to watch. Right. Moving up to 197, Colin Moore won another Vegas title. This time, beating Eric Schultz eight to three. Schultz was part of that, you know, Nebraska team. Obviously, Isaiah White was the headliner, but you know, Schultz had struggled a little bit early in the season. But he beat Jackson Strigal, and really, what, he was the beneficiary of the bottom of the bracket falling apart. But he beat all those guys that had pulled upsets. So it's not always easy. Uh ended up finishing second. Good tournament for him. J.I.L.O. from Virginia just was part of tearing up the bottom bracket. He beat Nathan Traxler twice. He beat Tom Slay of Virginia Tech. He beat Christian Brunner and he finished third. Uh so that was he really placed his stamp on the tournament and really announced himself. Uh, you know, one ninety seven is is not as wide open, I think, as it was last year, obviously, with Nickel moving up and with a couple other guys around, but there's still some room, and uh, he he announced himself as one of those guys that's going to try to get on the podium. Um, obviously, Jacob Warner's another one of those guys when we talked about him beating Willie Nicholas. Um, kind of a wild match, uh, Very uh, a review at the very end that could have gone a couple of different ways, but Warner gets the W, and I'm sure they'll see each other again. Uh, what, did, what, what happened at
1: 197 that you saw? Well, one of the things that people may or may not know is that when we do this Google document rankings, we keep track of where they were the week before. So, Eric Schultz was 10, 22, 22, 23, 21, 10. <laughs> He's right back where he started. And I coach guys like that and just, you know, you just pull whatever hair you have out of your head getting back to where you started. So, you know, that's interesting. I, Ironically, the West Coast guys didn't wrestle well out there. Traxler did it this way. Traxler didn't. Griego didn't. You know, that was surprising. Your guy, Tom Slade, who has been moving up in the rankings, you know, took seven, so he fell back a few spots. It was interesting because when I talked to Andy Hamilton, uh, he was like, well, I was going to lose a bunch of points in the rankings. And I'm like, well, the two matches that really helped him the most in the rankings were, you know, Caleb... Carry lesson so well, put Caleb Young in the rankings, and then, you know, we had had Jacob Warner at 11th, which was, you know, out of the big points. Now he goes up to sixth. So I think they actually picked up some points or basically made up for the points they lost with Kemmer coming off the board. So, you know, I mean, they obviously have one less margin for error with Kemmerer being out. But this week, because of those results, I don't think they actually lost any team points they certainly didn't lose where they were in the rankings.
0: And, yeah, they've gone
1: from 76-and-a-half, 79-and-a-half, 77-and-a-half, 77, 73-and-a-half, now 73-and-a-half. So they've they been able to hold pretty, pretty steady there.
0: That seems to happen every year, that a team goes out and wrestles what you would expect to be not great. Um, you know, it happened to, I happened to—I think Oklahoma State last year when they went up to Wyoming and lost a bunch of matches that they shouldn't have, at least by <laughs> games. You know, play, people like that—it happens. And of course, with Kemmer dropping out due to injury, but the, the math is always kind of weird. Uh, you know, if you if you go from nine to twelve, you don't lose much, but if you go from seven to four, you get a, you gain a lot. So uh, it, it, you always have Or to, nine to eight. Yeah, nine nine to eight. eight. Yeah. <laughs> It's just kind of weird how that works out, so especially early in the season, that kind of stuff can reverse itself real quick if you get get a couple of wins in the right spot. um It's always interesting to look at that
1: well, we point out the difference between nine and twenty five is one point right The difference between nine and eight is three and a half, yep, so you, know, you gotta get in the top eight that's where you know that's where the- that's where the money is
0: indeed uh moving up two hundred eighty five pounds Gable Stevenson. Beat Tate Orndorff 12-4. Uh, Orndorff faced no seeds on his way to the final, but did beat Chase Singletary, who had a nice tournament. Um, he was the only one to beat Chase Singletary in the tournament. Uh, Singletary <laughs> beat, beat Conan Jennings of Northwestern early on and beat Matt Stenzel. And then he lost to Orndorf. He, he did lose to Zach Elam as well. Uh, I messed that up. But Elam won eight in a row after an early loss um and I think only one of those was not a seven minute match so I'm sure he was a little bit sore after all of that uh he ended up beating Joey Goodhart and Demetrius Thomas from Pitt who continues to be an, you know a d1 type guy we, he was an NAIA champion we all kind of saw this coming uh and was like
1: a one-time state runner up and nobody Nobody really thought he was going to be that good. And he's just – he's a very, very interesting case of talent and and hard work coming together.
0: Yeah, it seems like he was kind of a late adopter of wrestling and has just continued to grow and just really – Really interesting case, like you said. So cool to see him doing well, but yeah, just a lot of interesting stuff. Anthony Kassar beat Jordan Wood twelve to three, and you know, I, I immediately looked it up because Wood doesn't give up a lot of points, and that was the most points he's given up in college to, in any match. And he's only been majored one other time, and that was during his redshirt year by Mike Hughes, who was an All American. So. That was a big win for Kasari. He continues to look great. And the breaking news this afternoon, Amar Desi, it was announced by Oregon State, will come back. Um, I guess Oregon State is on the quarter system, so he took the first quarter off to wrestle in the World Championships. But he will be back for the second quarter, and he will wrestle for the Beavers this season. Um, in a heavyweight class that is begging for some veterans at the top, he's definitely one of those. And uh, he immediately, I think, becomes a guy that could make the finals, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the rankings. Like, I think, so, you know, to talk about Desi first, he probably comes in at four or five, probably four. And you could actually make an argument he comes in at three. Like, we put these notes next to the guy's names. what they did last year. I'm going to have to come up with something else besides, because next to Pissar's name, I have JB, which is (laughs) technically accurate, but incredibly succinctly, like, it just points out a, a wrong picture. I mean, you
0: he has the he has easily the best resume resume of any senior slash junior in college wrestling that has never wrestled at the national tournament. Like by far,
1: for sure, <laughs> for sure, right? <laughs> you know, the other thing is like he wrestled his matches at another weight, right? So you're right. like, okay, how's he going to be? And then he straight he was everywhere heavyweight. Like, okay, he's going to be fine. Zach uh, was a kid, I know his dad really well. You know, that family's been involved in wrestling for 100 years. He's got a younger brother who's a hammer named Rocky. Zach's an awesome kid. He wrestled in my event. And, you know, was the big star in our event. He probably thanked me three times for inviting him. So, you know, very, very humble kid. Kind of stepped in for Kirkley and took a silver medal at the Junior Worlds this year. So, you know, I think he's a kid that can sneak on the podium. We talked about Demetrius Thomas. I think he's another guy whose IQ is starting to catch up with his rust is talent. So I think he's going to be a handful. And, and Desi is a guy right now that, is, like you said, he's in a handful of guys that could make the finals. Um, you know, Amy Hamilton and I had a, I wouldn't say, I'd say a spirited debate about Gable Stevenson and Stoll. I know Stoll's not healthy right now. You know, but what's interesting is, if Iowa was in more control of that duel, Gable Ste- or uh Sam Stoll wouldn't have even wrestled, and then I think it would have been even easier to make Gable Stevenson one. But you know there's a bunch of different criteria you can apply to this. I think on very simple terms, I think Abel Stevenson wins that match against Iowa State by a lot more than four to one so I mean we'll see this how this all shakes out. you know, I don't know if Minnesota goes to the scuffle. Or to I looked up the scuffle. They don't go there. I don't know if they go to the middle or not. So or, or, I think they actually go to South Beach Duels this year. Yeah, I think so. So soon they hit there. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. But I mean, Gable's undefeated. Stoll's undefeated. Cassar's undefeated. Derek White's only lost to Stevenson. Stevens only lost to Derek White. And you know, Desi will come in obviously undefeated and as a returning All-American. So. And this is an interesting point. Like, Oregon State will go from off the board to probably 25th. You know, just let me put those points in there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that'll that'll affect them greatly um, in a positive manner. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I'd probably – if I was doing it, I probably wouldn't – Steve said number one just because my, my rule of thumb always was have you beaten somebody that's as good as the guy you're going to pass? And he hadn't wrestled anybody like Sam Stoll. But it's Well, he smashed
1: Jarek White, who went into overtime with Sam Stoll. Right,
0: but he never beat
1: him. Well, I mean, you can argue
0: he beat Jarek White a lot worse than Sam Stoll did. Ah, win's a win. Are we going to get Kyle Dake and David Taylor Part 2 here?
1: Oh, no, because I'm on that big train. (laughs) Oh, no. But I'm just saying, when you said, no, 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 do not put those words in my mouth. You said he beat somebody, you know, that was at that level. And, and you're technically saying that he beat somebody that had, you know, had beaten him, and and Derek White hadn't beaten Stoll, but they're a coin flip, and Gable Stevenson and Derek White aren't a coin flip. This is one of those ones where, you know, if somebody had a vote over me, and ultimately said Stoll won Stevenson two. I mean, I wouldn't hold my breath or pout about it. Right. I could see both sides of this argument.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Stevenson Stoll and Kassar have an argument because they haven't lost. They've looked great. I mean, Stoll hasn't wrestled anybody yet because he's been hurt so i get it but you know you talk about you know stolen white being a coin flip i i just don't see it that way i mean white was not an all-american last year and if you look at common opponents yes they went to overtime i watched that match white was never going to get a takedown he got in deep multiple times and stole just kind of looked at him and shrugged. so i i don't know how he's ever going to take him down but regardless i that's just my that's just me i don't like to push guys over the top of others just because of inactivity, but it it doesn't matter. I mean, Stevenson stolen Kassar, your three top guys.
1: Um, And probably Desi now, right?
0: Yeah. Desi will go right in that group. I think, Uh, you know, he was great last year, so we'll see where that goes, but
1: you know, (sighs) It is. I'm going to duly. I'm going to duly note your Oklahoma hatred though as I head down to Fairly this weekend.
0: You, you, should, sure you should very much uh, note. That, <laughs> you know, it's well. The, the funny thing is, when you look at Stevenson, you know, he was the USA Wrestling Wrestler of the Week this week, and I kind of did a double take when I saw it because, you know, he beat Tate Orndorf in the finals. Yeah,
1: that's a weird decision.
0: It, it, it's he hasn't yeah. really. I mean, he wrestled White. He beat him. He wrestled. You know, uh, the Arizona State heavyweight Tanner Hall, who's red-shirting and would be up there. So he's wrestled better guys before. And I've, with all the wrestling this weekend, I'm kind of surprised. And that, I guess that's kind of why I was surprised to see number one. I mean,
1: well, I'm surprised it, w- it wasn't Jordan Oliver. But if it wasn't Jordan Oliver, there's about five guys that I'd pick out of that college tournament before I'd pick Cable Stevenson for athlete of the week. Yeah. I'm not saying he won't win nationals. I'm just saying that week. Right. You know, I mean, White had an unbelievable tournament. Yes. Uh, Soriano won an unbelievable bracket. Miles Amin won a really good bracket. Right. I mean, all of something we just talked about for the last forty five minutes. So, right.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's that's kind of my point as to okay, why now for Stevenson over Stoll? Like if if you did it when he beat White, I guess I could have I could've understood it a little bit more. But like I said, it the argument makes sense and it is a right answer, so I'm not been out of shape about it either. It's probably just not the way I would have gone. Uh, but I don't do the rankings. So, and I'm glad of that. So I'm happy for you to do it and take the phone calls. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, you kind of, you said, well, I don't know what changed. Well, Gable Stevenson won another tournament, and Sam Stoll came out and just didn't look great. Those are the two data points. But again, if there's neither one of us are saying the other guy's wrong because the, the other guy isn't wrong. You know, I mean, they're both good answers. So I think we would both agree to Gable Stevenson, and this isn't why you do rankings. We both think Gable Stevenson's a better wrestler, and we'll probably end up placing higher nationals. But rankings have to be earned. You just can't, you know, just start throwing guys in rankings because, you know, you think they're going to end up good. That's right. Other, other periodicals do that, but we don't.
0: Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's exactly my point. I mean, Stevenson, I think Stoll, I think is the only guy in the country that can beat Stevenson. Um, and I've said that before, you know, when we were talking about Kasar and how he matches up and what the harder matchup is. Um, but it, it, we, we just don't know. And I would pick Stevenson right now. I just wouldn't rank him there, but you know, that is what it is. Uh, we are to the end of the, individual rankings. Uh, team rankings were kind of interesting this week. I noticed Minnesota moved up for a tie, into a tie for fifth with Michigan, um, so that they continue to climb. Uh, otherwise, the, the you know Penn State's still way out in front, and with the way they looked, just shutting out Lehigh, and I, I want to, this brings up an interesting point. I want to make this point for anybody that's still listening to us. You're probably a wrestling nerd like us if you listened this long, um, but I noticed I think it was said on a radio broadcast somewhere, it might have been the Penn State broadcast, that it was the first time Penn State had ever shut out Lehigh, and they've been wrestling for 100 years, so it was a huge deal. Well, turns out that's not the case. Uh, It's happened at least two other times, and I've seen that correction a couple of times, but that fact now that it's out there, I keep seeing it. So please pay attention when you give out facts like that Please double check your sources because that fact, I I guarantee you, I'm going to keep seeing it. And the next year when it's Lehigh versus Penn state, someone's going to say, Hey, remember last time when they shut them out for the (laughs) first time ever it drives me crazy.
1: Well, somebody who a guy like you that actually makes an effort to get it right. Yeah, I get it. We can talk about this next week because I don't think there'll be a ton of data points this week. And you'll be heckling me on Saturday about what's wrong with my rankings. But (laughs) Uh Penn State, like right now, Ohio State is second with 77 and a half points. If you took Penn State's best five guys, they're over 77 and a half points. Yeah. So, or right at it. Maybe not quite. Because they got three number ones and a number two. So that's twenty forty. Yeah, they're above that twenty forty 60. Four of them are at 76. So for sure their top five guys are over that. Yeah, we so,
0: got Kassar at three or four. Three,
1: yeah, yeah, right. So, they, yeah, for sure. I mean, but if you take Null, you take Nickel, you take Vincenzo, you take Hall, and then whoever's ranked higher between Shakur and Kassar, they're probably at pretty close to 90 points. So, you know, we, we talked about this. I would definitely take Penn State's that's six against anybody's 10. Uh, maybe this is something if you really get bored, I don't know how you would dig this up. But what team is what is the least number of guys from a team that that team won national beating everybody else's full ten.
0: Yeah, I don't know what exactly. number
1: five. I can't imagine four ever did it.
0: Yeah, I don't know about four. I know five has done it because Penn State won it with five All Americans. They were all in the finals. I think it was two thousand twelve or thirteen. Um and they didn't have a single other All American. They had no one wrestling in the Saturday morning session. Remember it well. Um, So that's happened. And
1: probably the year that Oklahoma State had five champs, if those five were probably enough to win it. Uh,
0: Probably so, yeah. I'd have to check. There are some really low-scoring years, so somebody may have done it with four, but I I don't know of it off the top of my head.
1: Okay. I just think it's interesting.
0: Oh, it is. It's very interesting. Um, And Penn State is going to, yeah. I I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know where Roman Bravo Young is going to end up stacking up after making the ESPN top 10 this week uh, with his flip. That was an incredible move if you haven't seen it. Um, But yeah, they are way out in front now with all of the other. I'm happy for Penn State. They're finally getting some publicity for having a pretty good wrestling program. That's good for (laughs) them. You know, it's funny you say that, but there, you know, I, I meet people that are sports fans, you know, in other walks of life, they're not wrestling crazy like I am. And, you know, Penn State people and, Everyone's kind of aware that they're good, but I don't think people understand just how good and how dominant they've been uh, unless you are a Penn State person. Uh, It seems like people know that they're good, um, but we haven't gotten to that record-breaking level where everyone knows, you know, the name of Cale Sanderson and why uh, of that. You know, they, they still remember him for being the great wrestler at Iowa State and the, you know, all that. Uh, I don't think we've—he had not gotten to the Dan Gable level. We—I think still, if you ask people who the best college wrestling coach of all time was, it's Gable, and I, that's probably still true. But it, it's going to be a, uh, a conversation here if he, if this keeps up. So,
1: well, and I realized this. I just thought you're—you're you're right about all that. I'm going to see you this weekend. This is the last time I will see you in person. That you will be the journalist of the year because the next time I see you, they probably will name the new guy, right?
0: Yeah, hopefully they'll name it uh, in March at the tournament. Uh, they didn't do that this last year because of some other things to, to help get some votes out. So I don't know when they're going to do
1: it. But um, Well, but I have I I've been have... riding shotgun back-to-back with the Journalists of the Year. So I think, you know, that's been awesome for me. You know, love you. Love, love Andy Hamilton. I want to give Andy a shout-out. His, uh, his beloved dog passed away, and he, he was really close to him, so I wanted to give him a shout-out. And I also wanted to give a shout-out to Duran Wynn, who left his shoes on the mat this weekend to go pursue, pursue his career in MMA. Uh, I think maybe some people know I coached Duran for three years in college, spent about two years recruiting him, you know, and I've always stayed friends with him ever since. And uh, he's an interesting dude, very, very honest, uh, no BS kind of guy. He doesn't make excuses, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, very accountable. And he gave a great interview that's on track about how wrestling saved his life. And I truly believe it's not hyperbole in his life. And I, I think that's, you know, he's got bigger and better things coming up but uh, his maturity from what I've noticed since he was 16 years old to now is, is super impressive.
0: Yeah. I love to hear that story. I mean, there's so many, you know, we talk, we get on here and talk about division one wrestling and we talk about international and we talk about, you know, different levels and, Who's winning and who's losing, but you know that's what it's all about, man. That's that's the that's the piece of this sport that makes it so great and why we all love it so much is that that power that it has to change people's lives. And so it was great to hear him on the national stage and getting to getting to share that with everybody as he as he ended his career. Um, and he'll go on to better things in the MMA side of things. So cool for him and cool for you to be able to be there and get to do that. I'm sure that was nice for his comfort level too. Not that he ever has a hard time speaking his mind, but wow. always, always. It was
1: a little emotional for me, honestly. You know, I didn't know he was going to put the shoes out there. And when I saw it, you just kind of have a flash, you know, right. A lot of things. The funniest part was I interviewed Machiavello and he had this guy, his Uncle Tony, with him and he, he kind of kept interrupting the interview. And you know, he's like I don't know if you know who Deron Wynn is or how good he is, and was everything I could not <laughs> say on camera like I'm familiar, <laughs>
0: yeah, sometimes that stuff comes up you just let, you just let it run, just let it run, see where the- yeah
1: let it go <laughs> take, the, take the higher path, yeah,'d be better than that Dave <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, my brother well, I'm gonna see you at noon on Friday.
0: Yeah, it may be a wet and wild and cold weekend in Oklahoma, but the action will be hot and heavy in the Perry Gym, and we will have a good time nonetheless. And then we will have some good stories to share with the public on Tuesday, hopefully some that we won't share as well. Um, (laughs) Until next time, this is Alex Dean and David Miracatani signing off.